Y'all have a great group of people here at Oakton. <laughs> you really do. Thank you. I, um, I just want to share, as I was praying about tonight, I just, one of the things that I love to, to worship the Lord on is I love worship, and I love to teach on worship. And uh, just because I'm just a worshiper from my heart, from the very depths, I'm just, I mean, I love the Lord, and I love just to sing about Him and to, to read of His Word, and I love to do that. And um, one of the things I want to encourage you to do tonight is to develop a lifestyle of worship. I want to encourage you just to take time and just to develop a, a, and have a lifetime, a lifestyle of worship, of just living before the Lord. If you go in Scripture and you go to like Revelations, I think sometimes the church of today has gotten to a place to where you know, um, and I'm not knocking these things, but the lights and and the music, and you got to have an orchestra, and you got to have a band, and you got to have all these things. And I'm not against those things at all. But I I wonder sometimes if sometimes we get so busy with life, and we get so busy of just trying to get things just to sound right, that sometimes we forget about the sincerity within our heart of just, just loving on the Lord and the simplicity of just loving on Him. Um, I'm from Branson. Those of you that don't know me, I've been here enough that I probably everybody here knows me, but I'm from Branson. And in Branson, there's, you know, entertainment is a big thing. It's, it, it's a big thing. There's shows, there's theater, there's entertainment, and that's a great thing. And, and it's a good family place to be, and I love Branson. Um, but... But I've came to a place to where I just like the simplicity of, and just being genuine genuine before the Lord and just loving on Him. And, you know, in this day and hour, there's so many different types of songs and so many different styles of worship that we can adapt. But really, I want to encourage you just to adapt and just develop a lifestyle of worship. And you have time of devotion and as you have time in the Word every day, as you have time of just coming to church, just uh, I uh, encourage you just to be involved. There's a lot of different things that you'll find and a lot of different types of worship. In Scripture, there's over 430 different ways to worship the Lord. There's over, the, over 179 commands in Scripture to worship the Lord. Um, 16 of these words uh, that's broken down from the seven Hebrew words, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit tonight, um, they just... They, they stand for dancing, just dancing before the Lord and just, you know, and, and maybe you'd be like, man, I'm just not that exuberant in my worship. That's okay. The Lord just wants you to just, I mean, surely I would think out of 430 different ways of worship, we could find a way to worship the Lord just from our heart. You know what I mean? He just asked for us to, to love on him in spirit and in truth and uh, with all our heart and our energy and and, uh, and, 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 and I've thought, I've had different people ask me about things about the hymns and ask me about songs and spiritual songs and some of those things. Tonight, I really want to just talk a little bit about just what worship is and how important it is that we as a people develop that in our life. And I'm not going to talk a long time and I'm not going to uh, teach a long time on this. However, I do want to point a few things out. Um, one of the things that I, I want to share um, you know, we have different types of worship in this day and hour. You have some that like the hymns. You have some that like 
Um, they like the more contemporary type of worship, the more spontaneous. Some like spiritual songs. You've heard these terms, I'm sure, uh, because we, we see it all, all the time. But in Scripture, you know, when it comes to worship and when it comes to praise, it, it covers a big variety of meaning and definitions of what these words mean. Um, it really does. And I have found that I love them all. I love the spiritual songs. I love the hymns. There is nothing like a hymn to make a declaration before the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and there's hymns that I was not even raised on. I was raised more in a church of God type home. And so I learned a lot of the hymns like, like uh, there's power in the blood and how great thou art. And I learned some of that. Well, I miss the praise God to whom all blessings flow. I miss great is thy faithfulness. You know what I mean? Some of those hymns have declarations and some of these songs um, uh, are, are just more just songs as we sing unto the Lord. The reason I sang those songs before, um, and maybe you were familiar with them, maybe you weren't, because they just were songs that talked about being just how good the Lord is. Because you can't go wrong singing about the goodness of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You can't go wrong singing about the goodness of the Lord. And you sure can't go wrong singing about being free and not being a slave no longer. You know what I mean? About his redemption power and his love. You, you can't go wrong there. I want to just read a couple of scriptures and then I'm going to kind of get in. Um, because what true worship is, is it is an outer expression of an inner relationship with the Lord. It is a true outer expression of an inner relationship. As we have a relationship with him, that worship and that love for the Lord, it just comes out. Um, here's some things that maybe you were kind of wondering if it came to the, to the uh, different types of worship. If you go to the book of Revelation and you look in Revelations, I want to just point this out a little bit and then I want to get into the scripture because uh, we're going to be reading from John 4 about the Samaritan woman. But Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and 10 if you read that, it says this. It says, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue, people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and you shall reign on the earth. I hadn't planned this. I didn't give them these scriptures to show you because uh, this is just something that was dropped in my spirit uh, when I pulled in Lamar, this kind of hit me. But what you find here is it says, it says, they sang to him a new song. They sang a new song. You know what that is? That's contemporary worship. If you go over to Revelations chapter 14, and you look in Revelations chapter 14, and you go to verse 3, what you'll find, um, it says this. You may say, well, pastor, I, there's songs that I don't even know these words. I don't even know what they mean. What does this mean? In Revelations chapter 14, verse 3, it says, they sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And then notice this. It says no one could learn that song. <laughs> they sang a song before the, the, the throne of the Lord, uh, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song. It's a song that no one knew, and that's a spontaneous song. Sometimes you, you know, songs are kind of hard to catch on to. If you go to Revelations 15 and 3, we see where it says this, they sang the song of Moses and the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, uh, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. You know what I would call this? I'd call this an old song, an old song, a hymn. It's a song. It's, they sang the song of Moses. You can't get a hymn older than Moses, y'all. 
it, it was a song of Moses, and they sang a song of Moses. And so with that, I just want to uh, encourage you just to whatever type of worship that Oakton develops, and, and something that I have always enjoyed about this church is you, you have an anointed worship leader. You have an anointed worship leader. And the thing I always love about this church is you all have, I've seen, and I've been in this church enough to see where you have made, there's been the traditional things that you've held on to and that you've made that declaration where you do those hymns, but you also follow the leading of the Lord and you also do just contemporary, spontaneous type stuff. The thing I like about it is it's healthy. And I think it communicates the real heart of the Lord. And, and I, I commend you all for that. That makes sense? Am I rambling on just, or am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense tonight. In John chapter 4, I want to read a scripture, and I want to just kind of go through this chapter, and I want to kind of just talk about a few things. And I want to start with verse 14. John chapter 4, verse 14. One day, I would love to just come and hear you do worship. I would, man. I really would. Because I know you got that heart for sure in your team. Anyway, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 14. What we find, if you look in John chapter 4, you will find where um, Jesus goes. He encounters a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. He's drawing for, she's drawing for water, and he meets this woman. And, and it's the fact that the Jews were not to have association with the Samaritans. You see that in verse 9. When you get to verse 14, what we do is we see where Jesus makes reference to the gift of God. And he makes reference to the living water. And he says this. He says, whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I love that because the water that Jesus gives not only can refresh us and it regenerates the heart, but, but it also becomes an everlasting fountain. In other words, the, the water of the Lord, it's living. The Lord can, you know, it, it's like a lively stream. Y'all ever seen a lively stream? You ever been out and you've seen a stream and the water's just a gushing down the stream? That's like the love of the Lord and that's like the, the, the presence of the Lord and that's just kind of how he does. He just refreshes us. He refreshes us, and and uh, and and so Jesus is speaking to this woman, and and uh, and he's not really supposed to have association with her, uh, but he begins to talk to her about the living water, and Jesus goes on, and he goes down, and he begins to reveal to this woman a secret within her heart. She replies that she has no husband, but Jesus, and he, uh, but Jesus reveals how she has five husbands. And, and the man that she was with at that moment in her life was not her husband. Jesus knows the secrets of our heart. We know that. Uh, and so, and so uh, you know, a lot of times, especially when we're presenting ourselves before the Lord in worship, there's just no secret places. No one knows you better than the Lord. No one knows you better than the Lord. He knows you. And Jesus knew this woman inside and out. He, he knew her mistakes. He knew her struggles. He knew her hurts. He knew the very mindset that she had. Um, and after the Lord tells her of this living water, and after he begins to reveal himself to her, he begins to speak to her about worship. So he does this. He reveals, he's, he reveals the secrets of her heart. 
And he reveals himself to her as the living water. And then he begins to speak to her in worship. And I thought that's an interesting thing. If you really look into that chapter, I thought that's a really interesting way to think of that. But that was the order that Jesus did with with the Samaritan woman, um, where we see where she has a revelation of him. And then it talks about worship. And I want to just tell you, man, when you have a a worship will bring a revelation of who the Lord is. Uh, True worship from your heart. He says this in verse 22. He, he talks to her about her, her worship. He says this. He says, you worship what you do not know. You worship what you do not know. We know that we worship because salvation is of the Jews. In other words, we Jews know what we worship. We worship the living God of Israel. But you're a Samaritan. You're a Samaritan, and you worship what you do not know. You are a Samaritan, and, and so you don't know what you're worshiping. And, and there's so many people in this day, and there's even, I believe, some, and I'm not being critical towards the church. I think there's many even in the church today. We go through the motions, and I, I don't know if we really understand what we're really worshiping sometimes and, and what we're really you know presenting our hearts before sometimes. Because many people today, they'll worship objects, they'll worship people, they'll worship positions. Do you all know what I'm saying? You know, and, and, and sometimes I just don't think we always realize, but Matthew 22 verse 37 says, love the Lord, our God with all our heart and our soul and our mind. In other words, God desires for us to worship him, to be, to, to worship him and him alone. And the type of worship that Jesus is referring to here isn't just a form or an act. If you look up the definition of the word worship here, and you look what that is up in the Hebrew and the Greek and stuff, what you'll find in the Greek is worship here means to kiss. Yeah, you heard me. (laughs) To kiss. You know what kissing is? Kissing is showing deep affection, to adore, to show reverence. To love one. Another definition for that was this. As a dog licks the hand of the master. Showing that kind of affection. And so what worship is here, when Jesus is speaking about worship, he said, he said, you don't know what you worship. We know what we worship. And he's talking about, you know, we're to go and to, to worship the Lord. And Jesus says in Matthew 22, love the Lord our God with all our hearts, our soul, and mind. In other words, show deep affection, have, adore him, show reverence. And then in verse 23, he says this in John chapter 4. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, he says, The hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Think about that. The Father is seeking such to worship him. Now is the time for the true worshipers to rise up, those to show affection towards the Lord, deep affection. I mean, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into this. Verse 24, he says this, John 4, he says, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If there's anything I've learned, he says this, it, it, he's talking about you must worship him in spirit and in truth. To worship him in spirit and in truth means that you're offering up true worship. If there's true worship, then there's also false worship. There can be false worship. And what Jesus is doing is he is revealing to this woman the fact that God is worthy, that he's a holy God, and that he just wants us to worship him, the one true God. 
must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him. We as the church, we as the church must worship our God in spirit. Spirit means with all strength. It means something that's alive. Something that's alive with all spirit, man, energy, strength. And he says to worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth means sincerity. Truth, it means dependability. It means uh, that's a priority, that it's honest. And so I want to encourage you here in Oakton in 2019 to begin to just worship. Not that you haven't been doing it. I, I, I know your worship leader enough. I know your pastors enough. I know Pastor Kent and Karen. I know Mama Garfield. I, I know the Garfields. I know some of the leadership in this church. And I know there's people that sincerely, genuinely love the Lord. And, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in 2019 to develop a worship lifestyle and just love on the Lord. Worship's not a feeling. It's not a form. Sometimes we'll say that. I just don't feel like worship. My old pastor used to tell me this. There's only two times to worship the Lord. When you feel like it and when you don't. When you feel like it when you don't. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We're to love on him when we feel like it and when we don't. Just, just, just to offer that spirited truth of just worship him. Worship is not a feeling or a form. It's a response to the love of God. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. I want to just, and then I'm going to close, and we're going to go back in, we're going to sing a couple more songs. But I want to sing, or I want to explain the seven Hebrew words. If you break the words down in Hebrew and worship, I was telling you about 430 different words and 779 commands and different things about worship. And if we break these things down, you'll find where they come under seven specific Hebrew words. Seven specific Hebrew words. And, and I'm sure you have had this taught. I, I, I don't even question that. But you know what? Our church has had it taught too. And I like, to, I like to sometimes just refresh them with this. Because sometimes we just forget. You know what I mean? One of the first words, I want to just kind of explain these forms of worship. Toda. Everybody say Toda. Toda. Now, some of my Kirbyville, uh, where I was raised, my elementary school, my little accent, my little country boy accent, red, red country boy, whatever, Kirbyville elementary education may come out in this. So I may mispronounce some of these. Some of these may not sound the Hebrew way like they're supposed to, okay? So if you already know Hebrew on how to you know, say these words, please, please do not be offended by this. But one of the words is Toda. Toda means to lift our hands in thanksgiving. Lift our hands in thanksgiving. That's where that comes from. Toda. Lift our hands. We can worship the Lord with thanksgiving. We can lift up our hands. I heard a pastor one time tell me, my old pastor growing up used to say this, when I lift up my hands, what I do is I think of it being like a white flag of surrender, and I'm just surrendering unto the Lord. I just like, I just, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm just lifting it up. I'm just surrendering before the Lord. Toda means to lift your hands in thanksgiving. 
Number two, the second Hebrew word is tehillah. Not tequila, tehillah. Tehillah means to sing a hymn. To sing a hymn, to declare a hymn, to... To, to make that declaration, to speak of his greatness and his faithfulness. And, and man, you know, that's the song of Moses they were talking about. If you read the song of Moses and you read the song of Miriam, they're talking about the deliverance of Israel. They're, they're singing a hymn. They're bringing forth Tehillah. The third word is Hillel. It means to appear excited as one who has taken leave of their senses. One of the places you'll find this word is in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, where it talks about David when they were bringing the ark of the Lord. We see where David strips off his clothes. We see where he dances before the Lord. He's the king, and they're bringing the presence of the Lord back in. Hallel means to appear excited as one who's just almost lost their stinking mind. They're excited about it. It's energetic. And also, if you look in this place, this is where the word hallelujah comes from. Hallelujah comes from. It comes from this word. The fourth word, we have shabak. That means to shout loudly. To shout loudly. There are certain places in Scripture where it talks about the people of God shouting before the Lord. You'll find where... um, uh, I was just talking about this the other day. You'll find where the children of Israel, uh, before the Lord gave them, they followed Joshua, and they were to walk around the city of Jericho for six days, and they were to not say nothing but to walk. And then on the seventh day, they were to, when they heard the sound of the trumpets, and what the sound of the trumpets means is you're making a declaration. It means that you are pronouncing God's kingdom. It also means judgment. It also means war. But it also means you are pronouncing the kingdom of God. You're pronouncing that the kingdom is coming. That's what the trumpet represents. Um, and and, and so, so you see where they shout loudly before the Lord is over under obedience unto the Lord of what the Lord had told them to do. Something I've learned, the shout is one of the most powerful things that the body can produce. When you shout from the depth of your heart, Jesus! It's something, it's one of the most powerful things that the body can produce to shout loudly. Thank you, Lord! You said it. I I like it. Thank you, Lord! Shout loudly. Shabbat to shout loudly. That's why if you see someone raising their hands or you hear a hymn or you see someone and they're just kind of, you know, maybe their worship is a little different than what your worship is. Maybe you like to just be like this with lifting your hands. Hey, there's all these different methods of worship that come through Scripture. If you see someone go, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. They're just doing an act of worship. They're Shabbat. It's the Shabbat. Another one, number five, is the taqwa. That means to clap your hands together. Oh, clap your hands, oh, you people. Clap your hands, taqwa. Amen? Amen. Let's try that. You know, last night I was watching, I was watching, I was watching the, uh, oh, the, yeah, 
I was. I was watching the State of the Union last night. I was, and I get so tickled because, because in the State of the Union, they say, the president, and they shout it. And then the president walks in. And I've watched, I've seen a ton of them. And everyone kind of applauds, and then they just keep applauding, and then they continue to applaud. And you even see some, their heart's just not into it. There were some last night that were like, Like, when is this going to end? You know what I mean? I think sometimes taqwa, sometimes we can be like that. We're just tired. We're like, we're just not into it. You know? (laughs) Anyway, I just brought that up because the State of the Union was... (laughs) I don't even have the words to explain that. So, anyway, number six. Here we go. Going on. Number six, yada, not Yoda, yada. Yada means to throw your hands up to the Lord with great emotion. Thank you, Jesus. Throw your hands up with great emotion. There's lifting your hands, and then there's like throwing your hands up. Yes, thank you, Lord. You know, the other day I was in the car. I was in the car. This was so cool. I had a, okay, we've been praying for this. Okay, we have a lady in our church, and she has this, uh, she has this, uh, she's been praying for this guy she works with. She works at A&W in Branson, and she's been praying for this guy, and this guy's just, man, he's just been living the wildest life and just doing tons of different things, and, and so we've been praying. We've been praying for him to be saved. Well, Thursday night, we were teaching about intercessory prayer. And we were talking about how important it is to intercede for one another. And, and we were praying, and I said, if the Lord puts someone on your heart who to, who to, uh, you know, to pray for, let's begin to pray for them. Well, she's been praying for months for this man's salvation. And the Lord put this man on her heart, that her co-worker at A&W, okay? So we just started praying for him. We just started praying for this man. Friday, she calls me. I'm driving down the road, and she calls me, and she says this. She says, you are not going to believe what happened, Pastor. And I said, what happened? And she said, last night when we were praying, we were praying for, for my coworker to receive the Lord. And, uh, and I said, yeah. She said, Pastor, while we were praying, two men were at the Tanger Mall, and they went walking in, and they said the Lord spoke to them, and told them to go talk to the man behind the cashier and witness to him. And they went and witnessed to him, told him about Jesus, and then prayed him through in the Lord's Prayer and led him to the Lord. And she said, she said, we, we were praying. And she goes, there's an answer that the Lord, the Lord, the Lord heard our prayer. We were praying. And she was just like, almost to the place to where I can't believe this heathen saved, you know? <laughs> she was so excited. And, you know, the thing was, when I hung up with her in the phone, you know what I did? I did yada. I was like, I was driving down the road, and I was like, yes, thank you, Lord. I was just so happy. I was so happy. Anyway, anyway, we should be happy in the house of the Lord. The seventh thing I want to give you, and I'm, I'm go- we're going we're gonna to end this, um, is the word barak. Barak. It means to simply to kneel, prostrate. I love this word. I love this word. 
I love to lift my hands. I love to shout. I love to throw my hands up. I love to, 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 to dance and hallelujah. And I can't dance, but I love to worship the Lord in all these different ways. I love to just clap my hands. I love to do these things. But one of the most special places I, I love to do in my worship is just Barak. I love to kneel prostrate. I love just to kneel down because it's a place of just being still and it's a place of just intimacy. One of my favorite things to do is when I have my prayer time, just sitting and being still before the Lord and just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And just kneeling down before the Lord and just love it on him. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place of just showing the holiness. You're reverencing him and for, his, for he's holy. Have you ever been in the presence of the Lord and you've been in a place to where you just don't even have the words to say? I mean, it's just you're in such awe. You know what I mean? It's an awesome place. And I'm going to ask you to come up. We're going to sing two more songs.